up y'all dr t hassan johnson here welcome back to the onyx report hope everybody is well see we got a few people in the bit in the building shout out my boys in here seeing quite a few gold professor what's up got that picture man you looking good in the sweater look good man hope you're good nice shop talk definitely good to see you you know made you a special shirt brother at your request with the small logo so hoping you good mlr what's going on good to see you in here bgs i didn't know he was gonna be off the stream man you, you just started some fire you know let's see uh rise above what's going on all right water what's happening man see everybody in here green gorilla what's up gg christopher what's going on keep it 100 i hope you guys can hear me okay uh yeah let me know if you can man because i was having some system problems too um accessing youtube videos weren't playing i didn't know if it was my internet or what it's completely down omega is that what it is Can you guys see me? Give me a one if anybody can hear me or see me. It's going on. Nobody can hear or see me. Huh? Interesting. Okay, now I got a couple of people, but you guys are on Facebook. All right. I think I see. That's weird, though. So you guys can see me on Facebook, but I can't even see myself on YouTube. Yeah. Ayusi says it's not working. And I'm seeing comments from people saying YouTube isn't working either. This is strange. What's up, Mati? Hope you're good, Ayusi um this is really weird i'm not not too clear what's going on chop ah, talk called it a cyber attack it might very well be um yeah because my youtube screen is completely black this is weird but how do you guys see me on facebook though weird because facebook won't even play for me so i am real okay there go there's facebook this is confusing yeah it's really weird so all right um yeah, everybody's finally breaking it down. So it looks like for some strange and Facebook and StreamYard have not been getting along well this last few this last month or so. Yeah, GG, it has been doing it for the last hour. It's really been messed up. Um Jellaba says it might be a feed hijack, huh? Hmm. Okay, now 
Hamilton, she says, YouTube is working for me, but I did experience an issue displaying content before your streams. So can you see me, Miss Hamilton? Can you see me on YouTube? Because I can't even see myself on it. Hmm. Okay. So Keith, you seeing me on Facebook. So now Shop Talk says you can see me, but you can't hear anything. All right. We're going to try to the going in and out. I'm going to go out of StreamYard and come back in again. So hold on one second. Guys, let me know if that makes any difference whatsoever. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this either. Um, yeah, I can't see anything. Yeah, I'm getting that circle of death too, Joe. Um, now, some people say they can hear and see me fine on YouTube, but my YouTube, uh, I still can't see or hear anything. Okay, Gigi says he can see me on YouTube. This is weird because I actually have a YouTube panel open and it's just black. It's, you know, I don't see or hear anything in it. Uh, this is frustrating. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is weird. All right. Um, we're going to do our best tonight. Can't really help this, it, you know. Hard part is I don't even know if this is actually recording on YouTube because like I said, it's just black and uh, I don't know. Yeah, only people that seem to be able, well, a few people on YouTube said they could see it. Are there are national reports about YouTube going down, Gigi. Okay. Did you got the same message as Christopher Harlan? What did Chris say? Uh, where's he at? An error occurred. Please try back. That's weird. Hamilton says YouTube does not work on her laptop, but it works on her tablet. Let me. And I've already been shadow banned, so I can't really, uh, even see my own videos. Yeah, when I try to access it uh, remotely, it says something went wrong. But there's still a few people on YouTube that say they can see me. So strangely enough, we're up to up to 54. But my question is, uh, will the show even be something that people can watch once we're done? 
Now, this is weird. I've never seen this before. Yeah, it's a general YouTube issue. I agree. It's just a question of like, you about to do a whole show that won't even be recorded on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Miss Hamilton saying she can see the live chat on YouTube, but not the actual video. Gigi says I should proceed, man. Damn it. All right. Well, some people say they can hear and see me. I can't call it. So we'll just have to assume that they can. And um, if it doesn't record, then it'll just, uh, damn it. So we got 57. Uh, Please like, share, and subscribe, you know, um, to the extent that you care to. I would appreciate it. Um, Seems like every week there's something weird going on, you know? I don't even know how to really defend yourself against stuff like this. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's recording because it's buffering. All right. So it'll be stored on stream. Oh, that's true. That's true, BGS. It'll be stored on StreamYard so I can re-upload it if it doesn't work. Anyway. All right. So we'll just proceed. Hope everybody is well. It's good to see everybody in here. Welcome to the Onyx Report, where we uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. Um, got about 61, so we're climbing a little bit, and hopefully, uh, people will be able to, to see and uh, follow along soon enough. Uh, later on, we're going to actually open up the stream and let people come in and talk about a little bit about the topic. So, um, I was looking forward to us having some flawless connections, but you know, um, we'll see how this goes. All right, so let's, uh, as usual, let's get in some of the uh, the uh, house business some of this out of the way all right let me get this going i think all right so y'all know me um i gotta i gotta have my reminders up so we can cover what we need to cover um so if you're not familiar uh go ahead and check out my membership programs on both YouTube and Patreon. You can go to Patreon and you can sign up for my film review series. And that's designed uh, really to for us to, to talk to our sons using film as a way to engage and uh, you know expand our relationships, pass on values, so on and so forth. So the film review series, I actually do about two to four a month, review films and give you some tips on how um, to approach the discussion, but really just using film to go about doing that. And uh, as you can see here, as far as YouTube is concerned, there are um, about five levels of membership. We got gold level membership, uh, diamond level membership, uh, onyx level, and then the two top ones are meteor and black opal. So you can check those out and they come with all kinds of perks. If you're interested in becoming a member, just click the join button on YouTube right next to the subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. I am currently being shadow banned, so my numbers have frozen. And uh, my number of views per video have gone down. So it's a weird, it's a weird time period. And I, I don't think they like how uh, people are taking to media and using it. So 
this could be just a technical glitch but i think overall there's some problems with how much free speech people are developing and getting used to um so uh we'll see okay thanks bgs so he's letting people know they can go to facebook and check it out there let me let me make sure that i have it set uh to public um on facebook uh because some of the stream yard interaction with facebook has been a little weird yeah it's set to public so you should be able to access it um so uh we'll Hold see on. all right so yeah it's working perfectly on facebook so whatever go figure so those are the membership levels check that out uh also what i tend to do for my members after the main show we have an office hours show uh hopefully youtube will be working smoothly long before that but uh the link for the office hours for my patreon or is in a post on patreon uh and then on youtube you can go to my community tab just go into my main channel click the community tab and you'll see the link for the office hours after show discussion all right uh also you know don't forget next week is the primary launch is the main launch for the institute for black male studies the link is right there on the screen. You can actually go to the website, uh, contribute your email address so I can keep you up to date with what's going on uh, and check out what it's looking like. We'll be having webinars and classes and you will likely be seeing some of your favorite uh, scholars and YouTube thinkers as well as academics coming through and helping to teach classes and so on and so forth. So let's support the Institute for Black Male Studies and uh, help it uh, grow and see where it goes, right? um okay so some people on youtube are saying is saying that the audio is gone right facebook is having no problems apparently um but uh please like share subscribe you know the deal uh as you can anyway all right all right so yeah support uh the institute for black male studies look out for next week's launch and we'll be going from there right and there's already merchandise up on the website new merchandise even uh, up to today some new stuff just in the last uh, few hours and as a matter of fact there'll be more up in the next few days uh, you know so another uh, few sets of uh, of hoodies and t-shirts all different designs so check it out this you can find also on the website um, institute for black male studies if you click the menu you can click merchandise or you can scroll down to the bottom click on one of the images and you can see a wide array of shirts jackets mugs backpacks hats you know the deal hoodie um so yeah check it out um and support yeah everybody coming into youtube yeah exactly there are definitely problems just go ahead and come to facebook um and uh come on through you can go to my page even if you're not a friend it's public you should be able to see it from there all right so yeah check out the merchandise um Go ahead and pick something up at your leisure you know and uh, as a matter of fact send me uh pictures if you will um of yourself uh in some of the merchandise i'll put you up in the show um so please go ahead and do that if you copped anything go ahead and send me a picture uh and i hope uh to be able to put you up all right okay also um go ahead and support the blackmail political agenda y'all know what it is um what i will do i will put the link um hold on let me do it this way 
I'll put the link uh, in the chat so you guys can go ahead and, and share that. It was something I was definitely hoping, um, you know, brothers would definitely put into use, uh, especially considering the, the political climate we found ourselves in as of late. There are finally discussions about what black males actually want politically. And for many, in many, in many ways, we haven't really learned how to describe what we want outside of what we've talked about in like a general black agenda kind of manner. But as far as the specific desires, the specific political aims of black men, it's so oblivious. So few people seem to know that when I watched Antonio Moore and Cornell West um, and uh, Dr. Kevin Cosby have a discussion last week when Cornell finally addressed black men's political issues, all he could really say was he just mentioned toxic masculinity and Trump, you know, in terms of why black men vote for Trump. And I'm like, if that's coming from Cornell, then most people really aren't thinking about what black men actually want. They have no sense that black men actually have a politic, right? Or a set of politics about how they do things and what their motivations are. And so people are comfortable with dismissing us as toxic masculinity, you know, masculinists without even addressing that we may actually have a rationale for what we do. And we may have been so just just so offended, right? So offended that the Democrats would put together a ticket with two people with distinct track records for incarcerating, hyper incarcerating black males, that we might actually have a visceral reaction to that. But the patronization level is so ridiculous, you're going to put strippers on a pole to get black men to vote and not have a serious conversation with us about our interests and why we vote the way we do and not even qualify that we may have a difference from even our own women. And I don't mean may, we do. Because we have a different quality of life, we actually have a different experience. And there's such tension there because many black women don't want to acknowledge that we have a difference and many black men don't know how to articulate it. So that's one of the things we do here at the Onyx Report. We give you terms, we give you concepts, and we even talk about the news, which we'll be doing in a moment, to give you a sense of how black men are approaching issues. And we've done it, but we do it kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, asking a fish to describe water. It's, it's just a part of our experience. But here at the Onyx Report, we try to get you to actually, we get brothers the, the, the terms and concepts so they can articulate themselves. And I can't tell you how many brothers start sending me uh, letters about you know sitting at uh, family dinners or even holidays and for the first time in decades being able to articulate black men's concerns in a way where you leave the room silent and that's precisely what i want people to be able to do i'm, I'm just giving you arrows to put in your quiver so when you in battle you have you have those arrows to pull out because that's not something we've ever really been able to do right shout out i see a few people coming in um we're at 85, so it looks like we're mainly using Facebook. Uh, shout out to BGS. Thank you for letting people know um, and for putting that link. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so support the blackmail political agenda. And remember to keep sending me uh, ideas to add to it, things that uh, you find that blackmails need. Maybe it's you yourself. Maybe it's somebody you're close to. You've been able to observe uh, or hear something. Uh, or some, just an idea that hits you that would be useful to black males. But there's a pretty comprehensive list of things there. And the list is not there etched in stone. It's to be developed and built upon. So um, as you review it, if you have thoughts and ideas, please share them. Okay. Right. So let's get to some, uh, some shout outs. Right. 
we can get to, to a few shout outs real quick a bit random but uh, a few things that i just uh wanted to acknowledge uh i wanted to shout out esther roll uh there's a post uh by bernadette stannis her on-screen daughter from good times uh thelma right and thelma basically puts out a happy birthday uh to esther roll who would have been a hundred if she was still alive and part of the reason i shout out esther roll is because for those who may not know she was always an activist As a matter of fact she used to perform african dance um uh just before malcolm x speeches right so she was she was a radical and uh when she was offered the role to play in good times it was her as an activist that demanded that this character that this mother actually have a father ha actually have a husband excuse me and the kids have a father and so she was the reason she pressured the show right to create the character of james evans um and for many of us of my generation if you did not live in home with your father it was characters like james evans that had a father impact on you especially if you didn't have those men in your day-to-day -day life um so you know shout out to esther roll because culturally what she did still has impact to this day the image of a strong black loving father uh, especially as it pertains to good times is a result of her efforts. And so, uh, although I've always appreciated her as an actress, I more appreciate her for what she did. Just, so shout out to her uh, on what would be her hundredth birthday, right? And uh, this is actually a quick shout out I wanna give to my boy, uh, Rifa Sane. I may be mispronouncing that brother and I hope I'm not. Um, if it's Refa or Rifa, definitely let me know. I didn't know the phonetic uh, pronunciation, but he sent me this. We were actually communicating in Facebook Messenger and he, he, he sent me this and I asked him and he gave me permission to post it. And I did and it set off a firestorm on Facebook, Twitter uh, and everywhere else. Miss Kalila, hey lady, how you doing? Glad you can come through. Sorry about the technical difficulties, but I'm glad people are able to transition. Uh, looks like more people from YouTube are asking questions. So I guess, I guess people can see. Um, I don't know. I guess some people see From what I'm hearing, people are able to access it on mobile devices or something. I wasn't even able to access it, access it on my mobile device. So whatever, we'll keep it pushing. But anyway, uh, to my boy, uh, Refa, you know, uh, he made this post and I thought it was brilliant. And the reason I'm shouting him out right here is I think he gave voice to what many black men were frustrated about in regard to, um, you know, Harris, the new VP, apparently, right, Kamala. The reason black men were frustrated, surprisingly enough, a lot of people seem oblivious to why um, black men didn't vote for her. And it's been misinterpreted as a lack of support uh, for any woman, right? That's that's kind of the argument. Like we've become the face of toxic masculinity and so for the percentage of black men that were unhappy with Harris as a candidate, a VP candidate pick, the idea was that we were unhappy because she was a woman. And what most overlook is no, we were unhappy because of her politics. So uh, one of the things he says, as you can see here, he says a sister sent me this this morning and uh, sent the picture of Kamala. And he, his reply was, imagine black men rallying around a black man who made a career locking up black women in slave camps and allowing white men to get away with torturing and murdering black women. Imagine that same celebrated black man being married to a racist white woman who also hates black women, right? Imagine black men celebrating him as black boy magic in front of black women. That's about where we are now with Kamala, 
And I added to that, I'd add that any black man voting in any way other than in an affirmative for their own policy mistreatment by the Democrats was met with disdain, shaming, and disrespect, thus making this victory uh, much more revelatory about the differences in black men's and black women's quality of life. Right. So shout out to my boy Refa for actually, uh, you know, it's, uh, kicking off a conversation that really gave voice to what a lot of black men were experiencing. Right. Shout out to Ron. I see you, Keith, Adam. What's going on, fellas? Um, come on in. 105 watching. Again, please like, share, and subscribe as we continue on. So y'all know I started this series a while, a while back because we celebrate black men over here. Right. So Sacred Black Masculine Series, the Sacred Black Masculine Series uh, hashtag is about supporting black men, but also acknowledging brothers who are doing things above and beyond um, simply because they've done it. Right. So uh, let's go ahead and do that. First one I want to shout out. Right. It's Tracy Morgan. Right. So Tracy Morgan uh, gets a new multimillion dollar community center um, to Marcy Houses. Right. As a, as a former occupant, resident of the area himself, he decided to invest, right? And uh, set up an opportunity to help. You can find this on, on msn.com. Um, but, you know, I've heard people say, oh, well, it's probably some kind of tax write-off. You know what? There's a lot of ways that people with money can write off and do all kinds of things, hide resources, invest, you name it. But I'm never gonna not shout out brothers that are doing more than they have to to help people, especially when they're able to come out of dire circumstances early in life um, and then give something back, right? And that's something I definitely urge brothers to do because we were all um, young shorties at a particular point and um, hopefully somebody reached a hand out to you. Make sure you turn that around and do it for someone else. So shout out to Tracy Morgan for doing that. Um, yeah, shout out to the brother for that. Beautiful work. This one was uh, this was a post on Facebook sent up by my boy David Hart uh, via uh, Andrew Page's Facebook page, and he was shouting out a young man that he was doing some work with, and I wanted to help him do so as well as acknowledge him. I don't know Andrew, but shout outs to you, sir, uh, for doing the work you're doing. This is precisely what we need to do with each other, right? Uh, so Andrew says this young man I hired as a temporary helper off the streets, no home, no clothes living under a bridge seven months ago, but well, he's not missed a day. He's never been late, not one complaint, has reunited with his parents, has a car, has clothes on his back, and now he's officially a WM, Waste Management Employee with Benefits. An amazing story, an individual, God is good, uh, Otis Oval Williams. So I guess uh, Andrew posted Otis's piece, but nevertheless, I wanted to, uh, to, to shout this out, because yet again, this is what I'm talking about. We have to redefine brotherhood in new terms because we're experiencing a reality in the black community that is finally being able to be discussed in a way we never have and that is how black men seem to be a utility um in both life as concu serfs i talk about that a lot concubine serfs you're primarily there to provide sexual service provide resources physical protection but not really addressed in any kind of humane manner beyond that you are purely a utility Right. In many instances, even within our own community. And then, of course, uh, beyond that, you're useful in death, especially in regard to what kind of insurance you might be able to extend. So that because of that type of utilitarianism, uh, I support brothers finding new ways 
redefine brotherhood and supporting one another because you know the, the kind of idea around supporting black men that i used to think exists doesn't really function that way anymore so anyway so shout out to this brother here for coming up and any brother out there that's doing the same right shout out to you as well uh next up we got a teacher in new jersey named timothy carr now you can find this on insideedition.com i'm not going to play the video in here but uh this brother is an art teacher right and so he's teaching from home as everybody's attending class from home as we all know and one of the things he noticed as an art teacher is he got down to only having two students show up so what he started doing on TikTok is dressing up as a superhero uh to inspire kids to get involved and kids started going back to his class and he really started to engage them and um you know i know as a teacher i've taught every level from elementary to middle school to high school to college to grad school i've taught at every level and i know the importance of trying to connect with your students but at that level it's it's real it's it's different when you teach college people are paying to sit in your classroom so you don't even really have to deal with disciplinary issues not really you know occasionally people get out of pocket but it doesn't take much to check them because they're paying to be in your classroom but when you're teaching k-12 through especially in a public system that's not the experience at all much of the time as a black teacher you're you know especially if you're teaching in a predominantly black area um you kind of get treated as a security guard even though you're teaching right and people will treat you as the 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 kind of disciplinarian to scare the reality back into black boys um and i can definitely tell you i had that experience i used to work in philly as a teacher um and dealing with you know high school kids and and the idea was that i was supposed to scare them straight kind of thing and so it's rough you know what i mean so shout out to this brother uh timothy carr we're going the extra mile to connect with his students and you can see the picture of him dressed up as captain america he's also dressed up as spider-man and batman done all kinds of things but he's keeping his students engaged and so i just wanted to shout that out right all right let me see somebody said youtube is back on but it isn't at least not for me so um anyway so shout out to timothy carr right all right so y'all know it. We're going to get into our current events. It is what it is. Look at a few things going on. And I can promise you this time around, there was a few things in here that touched my heart. Um, and a couple of them hurt my heart, to be honest with you. So we'll go through that in a minute. All right. Um, so right here, as you can see, Tennessee man walks, walks away free uh, after 1998 murder conviction is overturned. And as we've talked about before, in terms of uh, black men, who've been in prison for long periods of time, 50% of those exonerated, uh, particularly on DNA evidence have being reevaluated, have been black men. So black men are actually the ones who are going to jail the most, but they're also the ones who are being exonerated to the greatest degree because uh, you know what we can see is that many of us are incarcerated, obviously, simply on the basis of race, assumption, and stereotype. So that's part of the reason so many of us are being exonerated, right? But Joseph Webster, 41. God damn it. He's 41. Damn. This man spent 22 years in prison and is only 41. He was let go Tuesday from downtown detention center in Nashville, nearly 15 years into a life sentence he received in 2006 for first degree murder of Leroy Owens more than two decades ago. Um, a judge vacated Webster's conviction following a year long investigation by his attorney and the Davidson County uh, District Attorney's Conviction Review Unit 
that found new evidence that wasn't heard during Webster's trial implicated implicating another suspect. DNA evidence uh, from the murder weapon also excluded Webster, and other witnesses have claimed another man, a relative of Webster, has implicated himself with statements admitting to an assault matching Owen's slaying, the newspaper reported. Owens, 37, was beaten to death with a cinder block. Damn. With a cinder block in downtown Nashville. Webster, who was 300 pounds at the time, had distinctive gold teeth, but that description wasn't included in any reports by witnesses, according to the station. There is no such, um, there is, excuse me, there is so much that's impossible to overlook in this case, Webster's attorney, Daniel Horowitz, uh, told the outlet. That's why I think this case is the one that ended up being the first conviction ever to be overturned here. All of the new evidence. Police had initially sought two suspects in the slaying. The recommendation to vacate Webster's conviction is the first time the county's review unit made such a move in its three-year existence. So it's only been in existence for three years. Who knows how many other people are suffering a similar fate. But shout out to him. What's up, Officer Charles? Good to see you in here, man. Um, right. So shout out to, uh, Joseph Webster for being exonerated. Uh, nothing can really replace 22 years, but I hope the brother's able to find some semblance of peace now that he's out. Right. Next up, um, this is an article, as you can see on apple.news. They lived paycheck to paycheck before the pandemic and their worst nightmare came true. Roughly one in three households had trouble making ends meet right before the coronavirus uh, pandemic. One of millions laid off in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Let me see. By September, nearly 5 million more people were living in poverty than before the pandemic. Some groups like minorities, low earners, women, and those without college degrees have suffered the most, according to financial experts. Right. So this is uh, just some added information about what many of us already know, what some of us are experiencing directly, right? black men uh, in particular and that's the thing nobody really wants to talk about you know black men tend to find themselves at the bottom of this right so one in three households reportedly uh, reported difficulty main- making ends meet in january before the onset of the economic health and health crises uh, george washington university and university of oxford study uh, provided some of this data some 40 percent of americans said they couldn't cover a 400 unexpected bill without selling something or going into debt. A 2018 Federal Reserve report found, in other words, even as the country was in the midst of its longest economic expansion in history and unemployment levels were at half uh, century lows, families were one home repair medical bill or lost paycheck away from potential disaster. Then a disaster of epic epic proportions hit and that's COVID-19 recession, uh, 19's recession. So again, they're mainly talking mainly about white America, because we know in regarding black men before the pandemic, you had uh, black men at rates of unemployment between 40 and 50% in 30 major cities prior again to this hitting. So how did that actually impact black men would be a whole nother report. Uh, But there's another report on this that I just kind of want to give us to, to give us a sense of where our feet are in regards to the ground. Um, because as America talks about itself in generalities, black men have a whole different reality, right? We live in a whole different context. Um, okay. I keep, I keep having some people telling me certain things are starting back up and, you know, there we go. Where our feet are. 
it looks like YouTube finally did kick in. Uh, we're at 207. Again, like, share, and subscribe. For those that are just coming in. Come on, let me get this in here. Oh, man. It's been a crazy week already, but we're getting it in. All right. Okay, so next up. This is the one of the ones that hurt my heart, man. This is this was rough. This is in uh, Louisiana. Body of missing juvenile from Baldwin discovered near Lauraville. Right, uh, the body of a juvenile that had been reported missing from Baldwin was located on Monday near Lauraville, according to the Iberia Parish Sheriff's Office. The juvenile had been reported missing on October 30th and was found by deputies in a rural area near Ed Broussard Road. Uh, an autopsy on the body has been requested and the results are pending. Um, the office says the juvenile, uh, let me see, let me skip that part, read it. His name was Quan Bobby Charles. First was re re reported missing to the Baldwin uh, Police Department last Friday. Anyone with information relative to this investigation is urged to contact Detective Jared Spurlock of the Iberia Parish Sheriff's Office Bureau of Investigation uh, the phone number is 337-369-3711. So uh, they apparently said that this brother had a huge bump on his head and they, su they suspect that uh, he was attacked, but his body was left. And you can see in the background of the image, this tall brush, his body was left in some brush like that. Um, and then of course, uh, his mother in the article, you can find this on, uh, you know, send Lanau, I don't know what that is, .com. But um, his mother, of course, talked about how much she was going to miss him and she wasn't sure how she would survive without him. This is something that, you know, as a as a black male, particularly when I was younger, you know, I thought about it. It was important to me in terms of how it could affect me or my boys. But um, one of the reasons that this kind of thing really hits different for me now is because I'm a father. And, and I'm not going to say it just happened the moment I became a father. I mean, I was, I remember, you know, I was the first to hold my son um, after uh, he came out. You know, I cut the cord. But despite those experiences, it doesn't really work like that for everybody. Sometimes it just takes a moment that you don't expect. And, and, and the moment I recognized that I was a father these kind of stories and even this one in particular, you know, really began to hit me differently because I know now what that is to be a parent. And the, just, just the thought of losing your child is uh, terrifying. Honestly, it's terrifying in a way I never really expected to experience. And so I, I you know, I hope I never do, but my heart goes out to this family and definitely to this young brother. And I hope they're able to find whatever happened. Um, and, uh, deal with those that may have done it but i can tell you the very the very night it hit me that i was a father i was uh, i was in graduate school my son was still you know newborn um i was up doing homework uh, you know i was working four jobs um my wife had sickle cells so she was she wasn't working consistently so i'm doing everything i can to keep the lights on while going to school and i almost had to drop out of my phd program but i'm I'm up late grinding and I took a break from writing. This is probably about 3.30 in the morning. It was on a weekday. 
and I went into the bedroom and I saw my my wife and my son in bed. As a matter of fact, here. I took a picture with it of, with my phone. Like 3:30 in the morning. This was the moment I realized I was a father. And my life changed. And so again, incidents like what we just saw hit my heart a little different now because I know what it means to be a parent, right? This was the moment that it really dawned on me that I was a parent. I walked in and saw this and everything changed. You know, that was the moment I realized what I would do to protect them and what I would, you know, what, what life began to mean for me and it changed everything, right? Now that boy right there is six foot six um, and uh, my wife is gone, but nonetheless, this was the moment that everything changed for me. So um, to any family that's going through uh, anything like what I just reported on, my heart goes out to you and I wish you well, or to the extent that you can be in that, um, because no parent should have to outlive their child. Right. All right. Next up, uh, the Vatican. Vatican's McCarrick report says Pope John Paul II knew of misconduct allegations nearly two decades before the Cardinal's removal. In Rome, unprecedented Vatican internal investigation has found that Pope John Paul II knew um, about overlooked sexual misconduct claims against Theodore McCarrick, instead choosing to facilitate the rise of an American prelate who would be defrocked and disgraced two decades later. Vatican's report amounts to a stunning play-by-play -play of the kind of systemic failure that the Catholic Church normally keeps under wraps describing how McCarrick amassed power and prestige in the face of rumors and sometimes written evidence of his sexual misconduct uh, with seminarians, priests, and teenage boys. Now, I report on this here because this is uh, something the Catholic Church has been under fire about for some time now, uh, but at the same time, there's still a very low-key uh, kind of attention in many circles that this seems to get. In terms of the victimizations, uh, victimization of young men, it's the thing I, I find most deplorable about it. And so when you say the church, you know, when you talk about the Catholic church, you talk about the violation of boys, there at least is in the kind of national vocabulary a sense about that, all right? But again, it, it's, it's placed purely at the feet of priests and it isn't limited to priests by any measure. Look up nuns who sexually violate boys. Look up the, his, the history of that. You can find that on Google. It'll blow you away. Because one of the things that happens differently between a nun and a priest when they violate boys, right, is a priest may do it and never be acknowledged. But there are stories of nuns violating young men, becoming pregnant, and then moving away with the child and never being seen from again. One young man was about 10 years old. This was in like the 1950s or 60s. He was, uh, I think he was about 12. He's about 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And he talked about his experience with a nun that sexually violated him. And at the time, he was so young, he thought kissing, you know, produced a baby. He didn't know about sex. So by the time he found out this nun was pregnant and moved away, he never saw her again, never saw his child again, right? So there are aspects about this um, in regard to gender and particularly in regard to the vulnerability of men that has not that have not really been discussed thoroughly. Uh, D Rock, appreciate that support. Kashif, appreciate that. Um, I know we got kind of a rocky start, but please don't forget to support the show. Um, 
we got 331 in the building and i'm gonna just shout this out real quick uh especially if you're just coming in and you've missed out wanted to let you know you can go to uh, the new website the launch will be next week right for the institute for black male studies and there's already uh quite a bit of merchandise up there you can check into if you're interested you know shirts bags cups the whole deal everything of course goes to help the development of the uh institute itself so check it out if you haven't i think you might be pleasantly surprised at some of the things that are available so uh please go ahead and check some of those things out um and uh, lend your support as well as uh submit your email so that i can reach out to you about more specific offerings coming out the institute okay all right so moving on uh stellar driving records and good credit drivers in black neighborhoods pay more for car insurance right driving while black can not only lead to fatal police shootings it can also lead to higher car insurance premiums according to a recent report uh in uh insurify an insurance uh shopping site that helps consumers compare car rates found a stark difference in the rate drivers who reside in black neighborhoods pay in comparison to those in white ones uh this was also reported by yahoo finance one of the company's data scientists, Casey Saxer Talby, uh, said race should not be uh, a factor in setting premium prices. However, other factors taken into consideration can sometimes lead to discrimination of a driver's zip code. They're allowed to use other factors such as education, uh, level, employment, license status, and insurance history. These factors vary in majority white, majority Hispanic, and majority black neighborhoods to no fault of the drivers to set these rates. And those are the results of historically discriminatory, discriminatory practice, right? So this is kind of, this kind of goes along with some of the things I was talking about uh, over a year ago about how uh, even poor people, particularly poor people, are nickel and dime to death in terms of how they're treated. So it's not limited to just uh, car insurance. It's also traffic tickets, you know, things of that nature that nickel and dime you to death and can be it can become extremely expensive. Right. Whether you're talking about getting a warrant for a traffic ticket you weren't able to pay, uh, something minor that, that balloons out of proportion over time if you don't have the means to pay for it in the first place. But these are the ways that uh, communities experience different uh, types of dis disenfranchisement. Right. Uh, shout out to MLR, man. Appreciate that support. Very generous of you, sir. Um, uh, ABX, thank you for that. Right. Okay. Uh, so moving on, some of you, I know there's kind of a protest going on of DJ Vlad. So if that's the case, you know, you don't need to click on it. But I thought this was interesting. Uh, there was an interview with um, trans woman, Sydney Starr, uh, who basically kind of apologized for um, her false accusation of having a romance with rapper Chingy, right? Because apparently um, it destroyed his career, right? Apparently this person lied, said there was a romance that didn't exist. And from there, before we even had the term canceled, Chingy was canceled, right? When's the last time you heard a Chingy song, right? So uh, the interview is real interesting. The apologies really struck me as half-hearted, but uh, one of the things stated by Star was that if he's a real man, he'll be all right. And then um, apparently uh, mentioned at the end that the statement about Lil Wayne uh, wasn't true either. So you have these people who are using these platforms, social media and the like, to advance themselves at the expense of key black men, 
And um, the acknowledgement of that is minimal, right? Um, so this kind of thing uh, is, it was, it, you know, it was really just kind of half-hearted, if anything, but the devastation that he experienced was, it was incredible. So check that out if, at your leisure or not, um, uh, but something to be seen. So I guess it was a flashback video, but I thought it was still important because it speaks to the ways in which um, even just a casual accusation and destroy a man's reputation. If he had a regular job, he could lose his job, could have lost everything behind an accusation with no evidence. And that is that has been the case with quite a few black men across a spectrum uh, of different types of accusers. Uh, but again, no process in place in the court of public opinion for evidence and proof. Uh, shout out to Drake, appreciate that support. All right. Now this, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. This is an article you can check out, latimes.com. Uh, Joy mixes with wariness as Black Americans savored the election of Biden and Harris. But here's the problem, right? If you read the article, right? A shout out to my boy, Sarah sent this to me. The article does not account for Black men at all. When they talk about, you know, the Black American response to the election, they only focused on Black women. And it would be one thing if the article was titled black women's concerns and thoughts, uh, you know, f about, about the election. But, you know, as you can see, that wasn't the title. So I want you to be aware of the paradigm, you know, that's kind of being uh, played out here, meaning uh, this is going to be, there's going to be more of this kind of happening as we go forward, where, you know, the community is defined, I'm trying to get this thing, where the community is defined by uh, women's interests not necessarily men's not necessarily black men's and so this this article is a pure example of that and that's one of the reasons i'm i'm putting it out here it's not because i'm celebrating the article it's because i want you to be aware i want you to read it and i want you to get with the tone of it i want you to get with who they reference and who they don't who they ignore who they remain oblivious to and yet who's allowed to speak for the entire community most particularly black men despite the critical differences that we have in life experience um, especially when you consider, you know, the actual voting patterns, black men still find themselves, even after this election, with all the problems that both Harris and Biden bring to the table specific to black men, we still voted to the second highest degree behind any other group. And yet before the election, we were scapegoated, right, behind somehow being the cause if Biden uh, didn't get into office, right, we were going to be the cause preemptively. Right? Black men were going to be the cause. And so, uh, yet again, the track record hasn't changed as far as our voting pattern. And yet, the respect level that should come with that from both the Democrat Party as well as within the community hasn't. So that said, um, I am in complete, of Dr. Um, in complete support of Dr. Ron Neal's notion of black male independence, black male uh, agency, BMA and BMI. And uh, whatever that means to you, I want to support black men in doing so. And it's time that we really begin to vote our interests, which is why, again, we produce the black male political agenda so that we know what those interests are and we can articulate them, whether others like them or not. I don't give a damn. It's not about what people like. It's about what we need. And for the longest, we thought what we need was part of a general generic kind of black male uh, or black, excuse me, black agenda. But that's not the case. And when you go through the black male political agenda, you'll see what I mean. Differences are striking, right? 405 in the building. Again, please like, share, and subscribe. And uh, if, you, if you haven't joined and become a member, 
click on the join button and do so. This one here. Right. Illinois woman allegedly shot boyfriend then video chatted other girlfriend. Scorned Illinois woman is accused of shooting her boyfriend after dis discovering he had another lover and then calling his paramour via video chat as he lay in a pool of blood. Rosa Legrone, 34, is facing charges of first-degree attempted murder following the Friday shooting that left her 27-year-old boyfriend hospitalized with a bullet lodged in his spine, authorities said. DuPage County, uh, I may have mispronounced that, I don't know. Uh, prosecutors said at bond hearing Sunday that Legrone Legorn, uh, shot her boyfriend, who was not immediately identified during an argument about another woman he had been dating. Right. Grown then video chatted the other woman on Facebook on uh, on Facebook as her boyfriend lay on the floor bleeding. Uh, tests were being done Sunday to, to determine the, if the victim had any remaining brain activity. He was shot once in the arm, but the bullet became lodged in his spine, leaving him on a ventilator. A murder charge could be filed against Legrone if he succumbs to his inquiries. Um, Legrone, who told investigators the gun went off accidentally found out about the victim's relationship with another woman a week earlier, prosecutor said. Shooting took place as the victim tried to pack his bags to move out. No domestic violence or intimate partner violence. No attack, no fighting. He was seeing somebody else. She didn't like it. He started packing his bags. She shot him. is where we at right part of the reason i bring this up is i talk about what it means for black men to be conceptualized and perceived as servants right uh, as property to be owned right this is this is definitely uh the type of objectification that i'm talking about he was hers you know it, it, i show just and as a matter of fact i did it the other day in, in my intro to africana studies class every uh, every all when I teach it. Uh, one of the things I show is a, a clip off of YouTube about uh, male abuse, right? So it's it's when there are, there are a lot of these, right? It's actors who are in public spaces and they try where the male abuses a female and, and to gauge people's reactions. And usually when that happens, people are not only outspoken, but of course men will come to her aid. And many of the actors have almost been beaten up performing these kind of skits in public uh, because uh, men are coming to the aid of women who seem to be threatened. And then the actors will reverse roles. And usually the response is either nothing or laughter. In one situation in New York, people got in a circle around the two actors. They didn't know they were actors and ridiculed the man who was being beaten on by his girl, apparently. Right. Um, and, you know, people think it's a matter of fear and strength. And, no, it had nothing to do with that. It simply has to do for many men with the fact that if he lays his hands on you, he knows that the uh, response is not necessarily about what's coming from her, it's about what's coming from the state, right? But nonetheless, the reason I bring that up is in one of the videos I show, um, they interview people who watched, uh, you know, the, the, the attacks, the, who watched the abuse and didn't do anything to protect the men. And they interviewed a group of women to ask them what their thoughts were about watching a woman abuse a man. And the key response, which is something I continue to hear in the comment sections of articles like these all the time, is just that, well, he probably did something to deserve it. 
And nine times out of 10, what he did was commit infidelity. Strangely enough, it, it's even taken so much, almost as a given that, you know, somehow his abuse and or death is really kind of his own fault because he cheated. But when I asked the question, okay, so does that mean a man can run a woman over with a car because he caught her cheating? There's usually crickets at about that time. And that happened again the other day in class when I posed that very same question, right? People were nodding their head when we were talking about men cheating on women. But when I asked if women who are cheating on men deserve to die, there was a strict, there was, I mean, a, just a, a powerful silence because nobody had actually begun to think about you know, what that looks like when you're not uh, a woman, right? So the, this whole kind of framework, when you switch the question, people don't know where to go with it. But there is an underlying sensibility, even within the black community, if these comments are anything to take seriously, and I think they are when you start to see thousands of them, and both men and women are laughing at the male victim, and women are cheering the woman and, and beginning to re reframe her actions as um, empowering, right? When you begin to see these kind of things, it becomes clear that there is a serious bias when it comes to issues like infidelity, and somehow it only deserves death when it counts for men. All right. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of these things because some of these things are tied together. I want to make sure we put them in context because they are related. All right. Okay. Sorry about that. Gotta make a little shift there. Um, shout out to uh, D Rock Dan for coming becoming a member. Thank you very much. Um, all right. So here. We have NLE Choppa speaks on dealing with a woman as old as 46 when he was 16, right? 30 year difference there. Uh, notice the term dealing with, right? Usually when you see these articles about, um, you know, female teachers and, and students, it, you know, they use every term under the book except rape, right? Except, except for sexual assault, statutory rape. They don't use any of those terms. They use terms like dealing with, at most had sex with, right? But he, of course, uh, frames it in terms of how many men have been socialized to see it. Um, like at 16, he's an adult. He's dealing with a woman. It's a regular relationship. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of titillating that she's older and that's kind of it. But by letter of law, this is rape. And yet nobody really cares, most particularly when it comes to black males. Again, just like I always do when I switch the genders, then it becomes a concern. Because I'll have women who will come into the comments and say, well, look, he's a grown man. He looks like one at 16. I mean, he's close enough. It shouldn't count. Okay. All right. 46 year old man wants to have a relationship or just have regular sex with your 16 year old daughter. You still good with that? Well, well, well no, that's, that's rape. Word. That's rape. Well, whether you think he's old enough or not, according to the letter of law, it's rape. And part of the issue here, and I've done this, I read through, um, you know, Dr. Tommy Curry, his paper uh, called She Touched Me. And one of the things he did was 
he interviewed a series of grown black men who had experienced a variety of different types of uh, molestation, uh, sexual assault, and relationships like this. And what the data shows is these men still experience depression. They still go through the same psychological responses that women do. They've just been socialized to describe this as something other than rape, but it doesn't change the fact that they, many of them still have the same psychological responses. And yet we treat it differently. And I'll tell I'll show you how we treat it differently, right? One of the things that tends to happen when it comes to these teachers that are doing this or these adult women is when the stories come up, one of the first things I see happening in the comment section is people want to want to explain why she did what she did. They want to explain her life story. They wanted to explain her feelings. They wanted to describe how bad life was that she needed to reach out to this young man. It's not, it's not considered a violation, right? It was a necessity on her part because things in her life have been so rough. So evidence of that is this, this is a new film. I think it, I can't remember if it came out this past Tuesday or next Tuesday on Hulu called a teacher, right? Starring Kate Mara, uh, a teacher student romance drama. Are you fucking seeing this? It's called a romance drama. Seen a lot of these 46 year old men and 16 year old girls. Are they called romances? Are the men in question explored in terms of what happened in their life, what trauma they experienced, how isolated they are in their marriages, girlfriends or, 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 or love interests who take them for granted, ignore them, stop providing sex arbitrarily just because any discussion about his vulnerabilities, his experiences, the difficulties he's navigating. You seen any of that in the film described as a teacher student romance drama. And yet in this film, even in the trailer, she talks about how she gave herself agency to choose to do something to set herself free, to engage in a relationship like this. Absolutely ridiculous, right? And we dealt a little, a little bit with this dynamic when we were talking about Jada Pinkett Smith a few months ago, but it's still there, but it's being celebrated in film. And they're using film, of course, to humanize these women. And my problem is, okay, well, look, if you're going to humanize people, then humanize them. Don't just, don't cherry pick, you know, women and men and who gets to be humanized and who doesn't. No, if you're going to humanize people who commit acts that go against the court of public opinion, as well as the law, then humanize them across the board. But you can't have a dynamic where all men who violate it, who, who even engage anyone under 18, you can't call them all rapists, but then turn around and, and only focus on the victimization, the false ma manufactured victimization of female teachers, prison guards, you name it. I don't care. You're in a position of authority and you're violating either people under age or people in a vulnerable situation by letter of law. If it's illegal, then treat it as such, or you're going to humanize people, then humanize everybody. When is that happening? So I just, um, um, it, it, for me, for it to be blatant enough to put on screen and, and, and in a manner like this, when I know that men do not even get the opportunity to explain themselves, and, and, and I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying whatever happens uh, in one context needs to happen to, in the other. Either humanize everybody or treat everybody who, who does this as rapists. But don't come up in here with these stories with white women and you know and how she's just been victimized because her husband didn't speak to her or 
or you know a relationship failed and she just had to reach out to one of her students please this is ridiculous And, you know, one of the reasons I keep pointing out Vlad, Vlad is because he's interviewed a number of rappers and actors who have all come forward with the same experiences and no one cares. No one cares. If anything, what I see happening is I see people blaming the men, right, who've, who've been victimized and in general and saying, well, you know, you guys, you know, authorize it. Like, hmm, interesting. Okay. So, you know. Somehow, the woman doing it doesn't deserve critique, but the boy who seems okay with it at the time, he's to blame for all of this. And men in general, because men told him it was okay, but it was an older woman that actually violated him. Might could be a mother's friend, his mother's friend. It could be someone in the neighborhood, but she doesn't deserve any critique. And usually what I hear is, oh, well, we can, we can critique her. What she did was bad, but see, this is the shift. This is the shift. In the discussion, you'll notice 95% of the time is spent talking about the men. Only a little bit of that time is even recognizing her. And the, re and the way they go about it is they mention it in the opening sentence, right? To kind of silence any kind of critique. Well, what she did was wrong, but, and then there's a whole paragraph or several paragraphs on him. So we don't have a problem with victim blaming when it comes to black men. It's not that I need to, you know, everybody, you know, I'm not trying to make black men victims, but if they are, they are. Don't treat them like they're not, if they are. But one of the things I see in these comment sections all the time is the, 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 the extent we go to to dismiss women. We do not know how to deal with female acts of evil. We don't. Even the sentencing is different, right? Men are sentenced to 63% longer criminal longer crime sentences for the same crimes they commit as women. Women get, you know, we do not know how to deal with female acts of evil. And so I'm saying, call it out if it needs to be called out, but do not let give people a pass. So I don't want to hear a half a sentence about how she was wrong. And then three paragraphs about what you have a problem with, with men. Anyway, this is more of a warning. Um, this is a couple years old, but I just really want uh, my brothers to be aware, right? So as you can see, Kansas court says sperm donor must pay child support this was a man who uh, responding to a listing of uh two women in a lesbian relationship that wanted to have a child and they were looking for a sperm donor he answered came in gave him the sperm no they didn't have sex you know he he, he came um and they artificially inseminated you know and then the two women broke up and uh he was hit with child support right um, so it says a Kansas sperm donor caught in the middle of a child support case says he wanted to help a lesbian couple when he made the donation nearly five years ago. Instead, he, he may end up paying for his actions. The judge ruled that William Marotta must pay child support, even though he says he signed documents waiving his parental rights. Shawnee County District Court Judge Mary uh, Madavi said on Wednesday that Marotta failed to conform to Kansas law, which says a licensed physician must be involved in an artificial insemination process, court documents show. The documents show that the lesbian couple whom Marota helped conceive a child uh, said they performed the artificial insemination procedure at home. He says, I donated uh, a genetic material and that was it. The story begins on Craigslist in March, 2009. 
That's where he saw it. He said he was intrigued by the listing and uh, said he delivered three cupfuls of sperm gratis to the woman. So he didn't even charge. It's just gratis, right? Um, one of the women gave birth to a daughter. So uh, damn. So he gave he gave the sperm to both women. It seems one um, gave birth to a daughter in December two thousand nine. Um, uh, he said he only saw the girl like once in public, but he had no relationship with the daughter. Uh, and it said at this point, uh, the state is asking him for four thousand dollars to recoup money it has spent. It's also asking Moroda to pay child support on top of the four thousand, which could run into the tens of thousands, uh, into tens of thousands of dollars. So just to put this out here to the men, be mindful. It's interesting how many of these kinds of cases are turned against men in the situation. Right? So I put this, I pose this as a bit of a warning, uh, just to be aware, even your, even when committing an act that you think is, is, you know, just helpful can end up becoming problem right this is another one of those situations that i told you guys was going to be an issue some of you may have seen this right las vegas woman 26 is charged with the murder for drowning or charged with murder for drowning her two infant daughters because their organs were worth a lot of money god damn I'm going to read off a series of the bullet points. Amanda Sharp Jefferson, 26, was arrested Friday on two counts of open murder. She allegedly drowned her two infant daughters, Rose, one-year-old, and Lily, two months old. God damn. Two girls were found dead at around noon on Friday. The girls were discovered by their father, Jaquan Singleton, who called the police. Singleton saw girls, he saw the girls' dead bodies stacked on top of each other in the crib. I feel like their mom drowned them or something, he told 911 on Friday. Singleton, Singleton said Sharp Jefferson told him girls' organs were worth a lot of money. He told authorities that his girlfriend seemed fine on Thursday evening. Singleton said she recently accused him of cheating on her with his quote-unquote spirit wife. He said he and Sharp Jefferson have been in a relationship since 2018. Uh, she denied to police during an interview that she even had children. I don't. These, I mean, we're seeing more and more of these instances. These, you know, I think it's you know the the, the current pressure is definitely something that number of people are cracking for she clearly has psychological issues uh but i would venture to say uh the current environment is only making it worse and exacerbating certain situations but um it's kind of mess but again the rationalization just as i said a moment ago is infidelity and it's funny because the, the, the response people have is well well i guess if he was you know if he was unfaithful you know they, it, that's the kind of response i see not at the death of these two kids, but just in terms of whatever happens, you know, particularly to the man, it's, there's some kind of air of justification as long as he cheated. As if, I mean, cheating can be emotionally painful, but it's not a freaking, 
it's not the same thing as being attacked or, or it's not and people keep trying to make feelings more anyway anyway um he told police she drowned them um he found the bodies he said she then shushed him when he asked what was going on with the girls she shushed him she said Shh. right when he went in to check on the kids he realized they were not breathing and their bodies were cold she kept shushing him at one point made a statement that their organs were worth a lot of money and went from there you can find this on dailymail.co.uk uh, as you can see but this took place in las vegas yeah, looking through the comments and counseling need for counseling is real. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it could have been postpartum, Sadiqa. It, it could have been, but this is this is something more than that, though, because it looks like this was in response to him, quote unquote, cheating, right? Yeah, Taylor, I hear you. And this is one of the reasons that I also talk about this stuff because, you know, our reactions often send us uh, into some very uh, uncomfortable situations. But yeah, Khalila, I agree. Infidelity need not be a death sentence. Just leave. I don't know why that's never entertained as an option, but somehow uh, physical abuse and or murder seems justifiable to a lot of people. Matter of fact, in this case, you may only have people showing empathy because the children died but if he died there are people that would argue it was somewhat justified kill me with this uh this one i thought you guys would find interesting informative in terms of again our current climate nearly 2.2 million women left the workforce between february and october right women across the country are continuing to be hit hard by today's coronavirus pandemic with nearly 2.2 million women leaving the labor force between uh, February and October. According to a new, new analysis from the National Women's Law Center, in October, the number of women aged 20 and over working or looking for work stood at 57.2%, up from 56.8. Let me see. I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, number of, of women over 20 looking for work was 57.2%, up from 56.8% in September, which... According to NWLC, was a 32-year low. Overall, the average labor force participation rate for all workers in October stood at 61.7%, according to the Labor Department. While October's overall jobs report was stronger than expected, with 638,000 jobs added and the unemployment rate falling to 6.9% from 79 in September, uh, NWLC's Director of Research, Jasmine Tucker, says it's important to know that not everyone is making the same progress. So basically... Uh, I think one of the major factors here is the death of childcare in America and its adverse impact on women. So I think that's one of the things we're looking at here. Um, yeah. So mindful. This is the environment. So fellas, be careful about uh, people around you, what they want, how they act, because you never know. Now this one... Uh, Kalonjakala, appreciate the support. Thank you. Uh, this was a trip. This one here was a trip. I gotta say, it was, yeah, check Atlanta Black Star for this one. Biracial ex-baseball uh, ex player who hated that he was black, convicted of murdering his African-American father and two other men with a baseball bat. 
biracial former minor league baseball player um, who allegedly hated that he was black was convicted of three counts of first degree murder for killing his black father, his father's brother-in-law and a bystander in 2015. Shortly after 6 p.m. on September 17th, Brandon Willie Martin, 27, went to his father's home in Corona, California, used a baseball bat to beat to death his father, 64-year-old Michael Martin, 51-year-old uncle Ricky Lee Anderson, and 62-year-old Barry Swanson of Riverside, who was installing a security system at the home uh, to keep Martin out. Immediately upon arriving at the home, Brandon smashed his wheelchair-bound father's head in with a baseball bat, killing him instantly. The ADT alarm installer, Swanson, tried to stop the attack. Brandon then attacked Swanson with the baseball bat, killing him as well. Ricky Anderson tried to intervene to stop the attack. Brandon beat Anderson with the baseball bat as well and dragged him into the garage. Martin had just been released from the Department of Mental Health's emergency treatment facility where he was admitted after making threats against his father. The victim's families filed a lawsuit against Riverside County for negligence, claiming that Martin shouldn't have been released from mental health detention so soon. Santiago, Santiago High School graduate and star shortstop was drafted in the second round of the MLB draft by Tampa Bay Rays in 2011, then played in the minor leagues until he was released from his contract in 2015. Martin then moved back in with his parents with whom he had a poor relationship. And uh, Martin had a racially charged hatred for his father, it said. Uh, court documents state that he had hated that he was black, used a skin lightener, on several occasions, Martin would use racial slurs against his disabled wheelchair-bound father and punched him in the head once. He also held scissors against his mother's neck and choked her. Police officer investigated Martin for punching his father in the head multiple times in 2014, but the officer did not make any arrest out of fear it would hurt Martin's baseball career. All right. Off-duty Canadian cop who beat black teen until his eye was ruptured, sentenced to nine months in jail. Right. Thursday, November 5th, the Toronto police officer who assaulted a black teen while off-duty in 2016 was sentenced to jail by the Ontario Superior Court. Um, Michael Theralt, uh, Theralt was sentenced to nine months in jail by Ontario Supreme Court. Um for assaulting DeFonte Miller while off-duty in 2016. Miller was 19 at the time. DeLuca and Theralt's uh, training position as a police officer made his offense more serious. Um, there are conflicting accounts about what happened. Some made the argument that um, the, the young man was stealing something, stealing items out of cars. Um, then there are other accounts that argue that he and his friend were literally just walking down the street when they were attacked by a group of white men, one of whom being the officer in question. So the, the boy uh, apparently lost his eye. Okay, hold on, here we go. Uh, it says, um, um, young man told the court, uh, two or three white males came out of a garage and they started chasing us. It said ultimately Miller was beaten by Theralt, the cop, so severely that his eye ruptured and had to be removed. He was beaten by, by a three foot long metal pipe found at, a, at the scene, but a pathologist said the eye injury was likely caused by a punch. His eye had to be removed. Miller was handcuffed as he lay on the ground after being pinned down 
uh, by one of the brothers. Um, yeah. Peralt was charged with aggravated assault and obstruction of justice, but was acquitted on those charges. The aggravated assault charges could not stand uh, since self-defense couldn't be ruled out. In June, Theralt was convicted of the lesser crime of assault and Christian was acquitted on all charges. So, those of you who thought uh, Canada would be a good getaway, be mindful. This is the second report in the last couple of weeks on uh, abuse in Canada uh, from police officers. Anyway, uh, this one here. So, for those who don't recognize her, this is Patrice Cullors one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. And she sent a letter to President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. And basically what she does in this letter is she makes the argument that black folk are responsible for getting them in office and we need something for our votes. So she asks for a sit down to determine what the black community should get. I mean, I'm just summarizing, you know, just summarize. This is basically what happened, right? And one of the things that makes me think about, well, I'll get to that in a second. So, all right. So um, along with sending this letter, she congratulated them on the victory, uh, calling for the development of a fully resourced agenda that addresses the challenges black people face. The letter's dated November 7th. She called for a meeting with Biden and Harris to discuss the administration's commitment to black people. She noted that although Trump's demise is to be celebrated, uh, it does not guarantee that conditions facing black people will improve. What I find interesting, though, is everybody had everything to say about Cube a minute ago. Called him everything but a child of God. And what he did was actually more proactive. He didn't wait for the election to end and then ask for a sit down. He provided a list. He consulted with those who work in those areas, right? Shout out, shout out to Doc Hamilton, um, a number of others, put together a list. The funny thing about it is, with all the critiques I heard of Cube, I only heard really one person have any kind of critical, you know, kind of approach to the list itself. I mean, not too many pre- people had a problem with the list, but it, I don't think it's that people didn't have a problem. I don't think people read it. I think they were so offended by this kind of uh, misdirection extended to, uh, to Ice Cube suggesting that, you know, he was just uh, working with Trump as if that's, you know, I mean, that's a ridiculous. I mean, for that to be an argument unto itself is, is a problem. Because if you're if you're if you're looking to empower your community, you do have to deal with the sitting president. It doesn't matter if you like him or not. So he shouldn't have been dismissed, you know, for that. But he didn't he wasn't that wasn't even the narrative of how it happened. Yet he still put together a relatively comprehensive comprehensive list of issues, and he was dismissed. He was, in many ways, canceled. Not that he cares, not that he should. He's in a position to not give a damn about that kind of thing, and I applaud him. But what I find interesting is, you know, everybody had everything to say about Cube, who had a list that he put out and made available to the public. But nobody has anything to say with BLM asking to sit down with the new president, or the president-elect, as they say. Interesting. Yeah. Come on. I agree with you, son. Yeah. You can't make this up. It's 
So we're going to ask for you to be for us to be heard, but we're not going to be proactive and actually provide a comprehensive list that the public can access, by the way. All right. So here we go. All right. We're going to get into it. Uh, the reason we're talking about this, Shuri, Black Panther, and what I call anti-black gentrification. I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, here we go. I posted this article online and everybody went nuts. And we had a full on comment war, if that's a thing. Right? And uh, it was nuts. I mean, and it was mainly men. So you had one side in this discussion that uh, was defending this and suggesting that uh, this is a great thing, right? That Shuri be um, right? It's a great thing that Shuri be uh, the Black Panther because it quote-unquote happened in the uh, comics, as they say, right? And then you had the other facet that kind of took the argument in a very different direction, led by myself, of course, uh, making the argument that there's all kinds of problems with this. But let me start by saying I completely recognize this article is not necessarily coming directly straight from Disney, although I think most of us can see the writing on the wall as far as this goes. We saw it the moment that this came out in the comic. Um, Shop Talk, appreciate that support, right? So, yeah, granted, this is not coming directly from Disney. But I think for the most part, this is not this is not a surprising development. Hell, in the first movie, they even hinted at it. Her mother offered her the heart-shaped herb. So the, the notion that she's going to be the next Black Panther is hardly a surprise. I have some opinions about it. I'm not going to stay on all night on this. Uh, we're going to go through it, of course. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite some of you, right, uh, to come on up and give um, one or two minutes on your thoughts uh, regarding this. Uh, We got 527 people watching. So again, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, I'm going to put the link um, in the comment section and um, I'll take a few of you. Uh, We'll hear what you have to say about this, but um, so give me a second. So I'll at least offer a couple of things as far as this is concerned. Uh, And I wrote an article about this. I put this up on my blog, as a matter of fact. Um, And I basically, you know, was trying to explain. The Black Panther was the first black superhero character, right? And wasn't really a sidekick in a major comic under a major, you know, company. Um, Egbert, appreciate that. Appreciate the support. Um, From the West Indies. All right. Um, he was the first major character, 1966, right? And as leader of his own country, technologically innovative, you know, purely, you know, uh, an opportunity, right, for Marvel comics, uh, comics to tap into um, the sentiments of the times, right? The activism of the times, so on and so forth. Character was not written and created by uh, black authors or artists, for that matter. Right, that's what it was. My focus is not necessarily on Stan Lee, 
Marvel Comics. My focus is on the generations of black artists and writers uh, in the industry that fought to make Panther relevant to the black experience. That's the key, right? The Panther was a character that was designed and read, I should say redesigned by, you know, black writers and comic book uh, 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 writers and artists to inspire black boys. Now, why do I say that? Well, I mean, the, the, the character actually developed a branch of physics. He discovered and developed a whole branch of physics. He was a multi-level genius. He's one of the top 10 intellects on the planet. He was, you know, he was on the Tony Stark, Reed Richards level. Now, this is an incredibly inspiring idea, especially for generations of young black boys reading comics, boys to teenagers to men. I'm a 40 year collector, 40 year comic book collector. And there are not a whole lot of characters that did what the Panthers character was able to do in the comics in terms of inspiring black boys multi-generationally. I want to shout out, I definitely support independent black comics. One of the things you should check out is uh, Sean James on YouTube. He did some recent videos that were, were powerful about the limitations and the challenges of black comic creators. Uh, but shout out to all of those. Uh, also support, uh, support your shops, go to shop, talk live, uh, support, the artisans work, support, uh, what he's doing in the shop. He he's, he's, he's working through, um, there's a whole industry, but I'm not really going to go in on, on the black comic industry at this point, because, uh, there's some, there are a couple of things going on with Panther that I want to, I want to call out. Right. So here you have this character that's been around since 1966. We have never seen him on screen. Now, I am unapologetic about the fact that the comic book industry was over, its history is overwhelmingly targeted to males. I'm unapologetic about that, even though we've been taught that anything that's targeted to males needs to be seen as inherently sexist, inherently toxic. I disagree. There are industries that were targeted to girls and boys, still are. But when I was coming up, that was what it was. You had industries that were targeted at them. At the time, if you walk through the toy store aisle, there was one aisle that was all decked out in blue, one aisle decked out in pink. I did not journey down the pink aisle. I didn't care to. I had a little sister. When I went with her occasionally, I got to see there were, it was like walking into, it was like walking into a whole different universe. But now in this kind of gender neutral environment we have, they're trying to dismantle even those, the toy aisles, right? Make everything for everybody. But I actually liked the boys aisle because all the stuff I wanted was in it anyway. I was good with that. Didn't have a problem with it, right? So in that, the, the comic book industry was overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly targeted for males, but the problem was it was primarily targeted for the largest group that consumed comics and had the means to do so, white males, right? So black males had to fight for space and they had to fight for how, how black characters were framed because the majority of black characters in many of these major comic book outlets like Marvel and DC were, they tended to be sidekick characters and even their very masculinity was a mirror image of white men's imaginations about black men more so than they were about black men themselves and that included the panther you know written by white men he was what they imagined black men wanted but when you started to look at the works of everyone from priest to uh reginald hudland they began to reimagine and rearticulate the panther in regard to you know the black male experience he was an inspiration he was a scientific genius. He was a master tactician. 
He was a master hands hand to hand combatant. These things were inspiring. And as a matter of fact, I talked to a number of black males who shared um, how they were inspiring. Now, this is the shout out to my boy Moada. He's a, he's actually in the comments. He made this comment in the discussion. It was a huge debate, but he he made a comment that I thought was incredibly impactful. He said, "I don't think the brother gets it." In response to one of the guys who was dismissing the importance of the Panther to black males, he says, "I'm 52 years old and grew up reading." Black Panther, starting with his introduction in the Fantastic Four. Black Panther was an inspiration to me as a child. I am an engineer, and reading Black Panther had much to do with it. It's a punch in the gut that Black Panther is being replaced by Shuri, and I think it's going to be devastating to young black boys. See, the defenders of this are saying, well, it already happened in the comics. Yeah, but Shuri wasn't a multi-level genius in the comic either. But nobody had a problem with that. And nobody had a problem with the shift of that. But when it comes to her replacing or becoming the Panther, all of a sudden people got a problem with the fact that it's in the comics and oh, how dare you violate the comics. But the viol- it, it, movies have, are, are loosely based, right? Directors and writers uh, take free license. They play with themes that come out of the comics, but they rearticulate them however they want to. But my problem with this is you have a character, one of very few that is not some sidekick He's not, he's, he's no longer just a character that's strictly imagined through a white lens. This is something that black men have actually fought decades to include uh, and redefine in a way that made him relevant to black men, to black boys in particular. Now, we're talking about an environment where black boys, on a whole, on a national level, by the eighth grade, only 10% are literate. 10 to 12% when it comes to math and science. Do you think that they could use highly inspirational character that exhibits high level genius characteristics in regard to math and science, which of course requires reading off the bat. Multi-level genius, might that be inspirational to boys who need it? Maybe. Is it as necessary, symbolically speak, in this instance to have that character applied to a different demographic. Well, you know, as we've been talking about for the last five years, black women are the highest enrolled demographic in higher education. Did they really need this versus the boys? Especially when you factor in that we've never seen him on the big screen in 54 years. Never seen him. prime opportunity to bolster black boys. I mean, a number of years ago, I remember, and I remember this because my son was little, and I remember thinking about the fact that Disney didn't have a black prince, right? So everywhere we went, when the Princess and the Frog came out, it was a celebration of black girl magic. Nobody argued that the princess should be a prince. Nobody even respected the fact that there was no male, black male prince ever. Hell, in the movie for Princess and the Frog, they replaced him with a Brazilian. Like he, he couldn't even be an African-American uh, prince in the story. But when you actually get to what I guess would be Disney's, technically speaking, its first black prince, T'Challa, one of the first things we saw in the film was his intelligence. His greatest superpower was stripped. Was stripped away. For me, watching that movie, it was like, it was, and I've said this before online, it was like giving Superman's, you know, super strength to Lois. Anybody trying to see that Superman movie? 
but nobody had a problem with it. And that was the one thing I went to see. I wanted to see a multi-level black genius. Still ain't seen it. And the first opportunity we had to see it, he didn't have those capabilities. And now it's reported that uh, Chadwick was quite upset before his passing about the depiction of, or the direction they were going to take the Panther in. Another post, right, by a guy named Sean Michael Francone was something that I agreed with as well. In the in the comments, again, this was a comment in the, the midst of the debates. He said, all of those other heroes were developed in movies for decades after they had appeared in the comics. T'Challa had one movie with a watered-down character and on to the next. Even Iron Man had 12 years of development in Marvel movies before moving on. The problem is not the comic storyline coming uh, to fruition. It's the storyline being obliterated to serve an agenda. By the time most of us realize what has happened, we will believe Egypt was in Europe the whole time and black men were merely guards standing next to the Pharaoh's throne. Exactly. Exactly. So let me invite a couple of you up. Um, I can't promise you how many people or how long, but we'll see how this goes. So I'm going to put in the chat, anybody who's interested, come on up and say a few words. Uh, Ronald asks, uh, is that uh, Ryan Coogler's fault? I don't know. I will say, you know, Coogler gave dimension to the story of the Panther in a way that I didn't anticipate. Um, he brought up African-Americans in a whole different way. And I applaud that. He, he brought in nuance to some of that. But again, his depiction of Panther was highly problematic. All right. So we got uh, a couple of people in. So remember, you got uh, one to two minutes to make a point. It's going to be very brief. No cursing. Um, and just kind of get straight to your statement or question. Hey, hey what's Ryan, up, Doc? Uh, Rodney, what's going on, man? Hey, um, I, I just want to say, I, look, I've, I've read uh, Black Panther all the way back. I mean, I'm. I'm in my fifties, so uh, I the ones that I wasn't old enough to uh, to have, have purchased, I went out and acquired anyway. And you know, I would I would say that he was he was all of those things in the beginning. I think they were expounded upon uh, by uh, the black writers, which I think was great. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I, I am disappointed at the direction that it's taken. I think that he should be recast in order to uh, maintain what we had in Black Panther and uh, and to give some some uh, respect to the, the storyline in the comics. I think this, the storyline in this case should follow the comics, you know? Um, and uh, I just want, I'll leave it at that and uh, I appreciate the, um, uh, the show. Uh, I'll guess one more thing that he did beat the Avengers, all of them. So he was a master tactician then and used <laughs> intellect and his physical prowess with all of that. And I'll leave it at that. Thanks, Doc. I oh, appreciate that, Rodney. Thank all you. right, bro. Yeah. So definitely, definitely. And if you, if you haven't read the story where the scrolls attack Wakanda, you have not read a comic book. Master tactician, brilliant. Um, absolutely. But the whole statement too, um, about his, his genius being removed is powerful. Uh, Dark Kent. <laughs> What's up, officer? Woo. What's up? <laughs> You gotta like the on, name. Man. Not much style and profile, and I, I just look at it when people say, "Oh, Sherry should be the next Black Panther," not this version of Sherry. See, the version of Sherry in the comics was, in many ways, T'Challa's equal. 
Okay, she was smart, not as intelligent, but this she's too immature. <laughs> and mm. you're gonna have to have a hell of a movie skip or a training montage to prove that she's worthy of the mantle. And by the way, <laughs> training montage, the little rocky moment, little little rocky <laughs> moment, hearts on fire, you know. So I'm just looking at it like. Even though when Shuri had the uh, mantle of Black Panther, she was literally the queen of Wakanda. This was the same time that T'Challa became the king of the dead, and he and he was he had dominion mm-hmm. over the other Black Panthers before him, and even did warriors. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, he start he actually gets the title of Black Panther in its totality back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. To me, I think it deserves a recast. Mm-hmm. Honoring, and that's one know. of the things I, I was saying before. When somebody asked me, I said, "Well, when Christopher Reeve died, did they make Lois Superwoman, or did they no. recast?" No, and so, and to me, I thought that I thought I was the only person who. Wait a minute, Sherry was more of a. She was more akin to the Dora Milaje in the comics than being a technical genius because T'Challa was the genius of the land. As a matter of fact, the reason why he even brought the Fantastic Four to Wakanda was to test his intellect Mm -hmm. and his battle prowess. I mean, you basically got... out all of them. And the best part about Black Panther was that he was not a tokenized character of of a white character. Right. He's he was an original piece, and they even made a tokenized white character of him, his adoptive brother Hunter, who happens right. to be White Wolf. White Wolf. Man. But yeah. well, no, yeah. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All Thank right. You for that in, Woo! Bro. Later, good doctor. <laughs> Later, <man. laughs> all right. Um. All right. We got Sand Dog. What's up? What's going on, Doc? How you doing, man? It's a pleasure, brother. Hey, Doc, one of the things that we have to remember, too, with Black Panther and and where you're going to find issues is that it's now a Disney property. Mm -hmm. And Disney is historically known for favoring the female demographic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you look at, so, for example, on the other side of the house, you have the DC Universe. And they have uh, what's going to be released called the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League. And in the mm-hmm. Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, Cyborg Victor Stone was right. actually before they altered the film, he was actually the core and the heart of that yeah. film. So you when could they tell were, that from the initial trailers, couldn't you? Yeah, correct. And so what happens is is that you'll be able to make the comparisons between Cyborg and Black Panther in terms of how the characters are how the characters are displayed, interpreted, and seen because on the Warner Brothers side of the house, it's not as driven as by feministic storytelling, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, and I think at that point, to include the fact that another character that's going to be African-American in the Snyder Cut is John Johns, a.k.a. the Martian Manhunter. Oh, he's going to be in it. Okay. Yeah, so, I yeah, didn't know so, that. Yeah, so so his alter, like I said, so his alter ego is African American, right, and so I right. think I think that what happens is is that the Black Panther that we know and love, that was especially born out of the priest run, the fact that it's a Disney property, 
I I I think that kind of comes with the with the territory. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I we definitely can see that. My problem though is uh, you know, we talk about say the black supporters, many of whom never even picked up a comic book, you know, um nobody had a problem with Shuri kind of being I mean, everybody kind of celebrated it even when I was sitting in the theater watching it. And then, you know, and then of course when she came back in the in the following films and she's making Tony Stark and Bruce Banner look stupid. I'm watching this and I'm like, I didn't hear brothers raiding the theater when Princess and the Frog came out talking about how this needs to be a black prince. The first black uh, princess, which was a huge deal to many black women and particularly black girls. It was yeah. huge. You know what I mean? No, I didn't see black males of any age having any problem with it. But when you finally get the Panther on screen, Nobody has a problem with the fact that what what impact he could have on black males is denounced. So I agree with you in terms of the you know the corporate direction Disney goes in. It it, it could be expected, but my issue is with the community and the extent to which we're okay with it. You know what I mean in terms of its impact? Because you saw how many kids were inspired. You started to see kids going to Halloween wearing outfits. You know all you know from the story, and and you also remind me, Sandog. You reminded me too when you mentioned the Dora Milaje people forget in the comics they were like they were like the president's security detail correct but by the time you get to a movie they're damn near a whole military force unto themselves and i'm like that's not what was initially written but again all the people arguing about what happened in the comics don't mind that it's not faithful to the comics except when it comes to certain agendas but anything else you wanted to add on this well, well, that's the thing, Doc, because you ought to remember those of us who are comic book fans, especially African-American comic book fans, mm-hmm. we are we are a small demographic of our community. So for mm-hmm. the most part, a lot of people will not even be aware of these changes. So let's mm-hmm. say, for example, if you did to T'Challa, if you did to Bruce Wayne, what happened to T'Challa oh, <laughs> in yeah. this film, oh, the, yeah. the audience would freak out because oh, yeah. far more people are mindful of what yeah. Batman is and what he's and, and what he's supposed to be. And, right. and hopefully what happens is, is that you would need to see T'Challa depicted in other mediums. Uh, mm-hmm. which he had that short run on BET. I don't know yeah. if you can remember that. So oh, he yeah. had that short he had that short run on BET and the, what I recommend for anybody that's out there is to read the priest run, right? To mm-hmm. to get that quintessential T'Challa. But it's just that like what you said, T'Challa hasn't been in your face uh yeah. like Bruce Wayne or others have right. been. So we understand what those characters are and what they should be. And then that's mm-hmm. probably why there wasn't a lot of pushback. It might be. I appreciate that, Sand Dog. Thanks. Salute, Doc. All right, man. Peace. Let's see. All right. Have keep it one hundred up here. <laughs> hey, what's up, what's, man? What's going on, man? Hey, man. Y'all support keep it keep it one hundred's channel here on YouTube. He's also on Facebook. Uh, this is a good brother of mine. What's up? What's going on? What you got to say on this? What's going on, man? Just you know, chilling, watching the thing. You know, um. I mean, a lot of the points that I would have made have been made already. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, the, the, the idea that Shuri should be the Black Panther because, you know, uh, oh, you know, it's in the comic book. I mean, that's the reboot. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. she's not even a character in the original comic. She didn't nah. exist. No, nah. she didn't exist. You understand? So, mm-hmm. so you know, like they replaced uh, Terrence Howard in Iron Man. It was nothing. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, so the idea that this guy just became Black Panther, he was just crowned king, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's dead already for her to become Black Panther, and we're gonna just eliminate almost 60 years of backstory. Right, right. 60 years of backstory to make her the you know the the, the ruler mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And right. if any anybody saying, oh, it's comic book canon, no, that's not comic book canon, and he doesn't die for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And yeah. and and you made the point that I was saying online. I'm like, every time somebody said, Well, this it happened in the comics, so stop complaining. I'm like, wait, a lot of stuff happened in the comics. How are you gonna ignore 54 years of yeah. comic book, you know, material for something that came out a few years ago and then tell me that it's sacrosanct because it was in the comics? And there, there's a lot in there that could have been used. And that's one of the things we see with other characters, the Supermans, the Batmans, the Ironmans, even they will pull stories from out of decades of material and they'll link them. They'll link older components to newer ones and re kind of reframe it in new imaginative ways. But when it comes to Panther, you're going to only pull from something that's really only a few years old that serves uh, an agenda that just so happens to downplay uh, one of the most inspirational characters for little boy, for black boys uh, and black comic book readers, uh, you're just going to completely wipe away all of that canon for nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of these people that are saying this are not even comic book fans. Mm. Because I've, I've had conversations on Facebook with these guys, man, and, you know, they're totally lost. They they just are saying what they've heard said or what they've read mm. in mm. an article. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's been a minute, you know, like you said, uh, since we've had anything like this. I mean, I was excited about Will Smith is Hancock. Yeah. You, you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So right. so for, 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 for us to have a black major superhero last yeah. on screen is short is mm-hmm. Black History Month. Right. You understand? It's like, okay, you had it. There it is. There it goes. And it's, it's a wrap already yeah and as many as many actors as we've had played multiple iterations of every other superhero there's really no excuse oh man there is no excuse that it took it took until you know this recent for panther to even be in a film but even like you said this is so consistent across the board even when you, you brought up hancock i'm enjoying it even though it has nothing to do with any of the major lines that i've grew up reading but yeah. halfway through the movie, he gets beat up by a white woman. Well, yeah. You see what I mean? <laughs> so we, you can't see demonstrations of brilliance or strength when it comes to black men, particularly heterosexual black men. And and to ask for such is, is, is suggested to be toxic just on top of it. But you're supposed yeah. to pl- applaud when all of the capability is transferred over to others, especially those who haven't demonstrated decades of invested interest in any of these stories. I mean, the yeah. same people... Prior to the Panther even being, you know, entered into entering into the MCU, the same people a moment ago would have said comic books are stupid and childish and you guys are immature for reading these and you're grown men. But now they're arguing for it because it suits mm-hmm. their interest. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I appreciate you on this. Any last thoughts? Uh, You know, um, just keep 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 on doing it, man. You know, I'm here. I'm always in the cut. I'm I'm I'm, I'm playing it while I'm doing my thing, man. I'm listening. I'm here. I appreciate you, man. You take it All easy, right. bro. No doubt. Peace. Peace. 
all right shop talk you better call back in man i want to hear your voice on this oh we just lost i was about to add this other brother but he he, he checked out anyway uh there we go come on man like how are you gonna get off the stream i gotta hear from you <laughs> i was gonna let everybody else you know feed on this for a while because you know my position on it um <sighs> i guess i'm gonna draw the hate i'm gonna just say shuri being in the comic it wasn't i don't believe it was done in the feminist kind of way she did some good things while she was in the comic mm-hmm. and having her in there gets me to seeing her get killed and having namor and atlantis show up and them all fight <laughs> i want to see that on screen i don't want i want to see that on screen on screen i don't think they can uh, do it they got they got to go there they already dropped too many too many fish lines for it. Now, this Shuri that the, you have in the MCU, no, that's not the Shuri that's in the comic book that's kind of a right. badass. This ain't the right. same one. Right. So I can see having an issue with this Shuri being a one. I have an issue with that shit. But knowing how Disney is going and Marvel right. Disney is rolling with this MCU stuff, they pushing these female characters up there and she's going to get pushed up there. She's going to be Panther. Now, does she stay Panther the whole time? No. I'm, I will ride with that for half of one movie. Half of one movie. By the time them credits roll, it better be back on somebody's shoulders. I don't care who it is, but it better be off of hers and back on somebody else. That is not going to fly with me. I'm going to tell you, man, I I don't think she's going to die, especially at the hands of a man. See, I think they're real particular about these gender narratives, <laughs> just like we saw in Star Wars. Like, you, it, women can't lose in conflicts, especially to men. They can't be outsmarted by men. Yeah. They can't be physically dominated by men. So if she dies, she might get hit by a stray rock or something. And then she just kind of is in a coma for a while. But the way these stories are written, a priori, women have to be in a position of superiority in some way, shape, or form. Right? And Star Wars was just, you know, some some of the most blatant of that. Jesus. Right? Where you Don't have, you have a, a, a character out of nowhere who's tossing around people who've been studying in the force. She heard about the force an hour ago, and now she's doing stuff that nobody's ever done. So these kind of narratives about female superiority are so entrenched in today's mm-hmm. media. I don't think Shuri's going to die, and, you know, especially at the hands I of I don't think man. she'll die. Yeah, I don't think she'll die, but she can't She can't stay the Black Panther. Even, even just how they wrote that character in the MCU. Mm-hmm. She's she not there for the fight like that. I'm sorry, she's not there for the fight like that. Well, you, you it's, saw it's not the Captain Marvel. I mean, I'm a comic book reader, man. Captain Marvel yeah, they fucked was, that up. was a C-level character for I don't know how long. How she's slapping Thanos around, I don't understand, but, you know. Feminism! <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. So any, any closing thoughts, man? Anything you want people to... And, and y'all, please support support uh, Artisan's channel. Go to Shop Talk uh, Live and check him out. Um, oh, I appreciate that. I'm still, I'm still waiting for the three in the morning, because I, I like waking up and catching you playing. Because that, well, I don't know what that Japanese video game was, but it was relaxing as hell. I was up at three just watching, and uh, it was, it was cool. So I hope you do more of that. But uh, anything else you want to say on this? Oh, I think we lost. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to to bring you out, but support, support Chop Talk Live, um, and check him out. All right. Um, and we got Malika. What's up, man? Peace, brother. Peace. What's going on? Not too much, man. How you doing? I'm good. Any I got a question to ask you. What's up? 
why can't we have our own stuff, man? <laughs> right. Well, that's that's why I mentioned Sean James's video, man. He did some recent stuff as a black comic book creator talking about the difficulties of of getting stories out. And you know, across industries, the number one thing that that tends to hold black hold back black folk in general is lack of capital. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things he talked about was comic book artists and writers, you know, just getting an audience in the industry is difficult. You got to come up with money you don't have just to get into these people's spaces. And so even that becomes a barrier, um, you know, for trying to get your stuff up. So, we're, you know, there's plenty of brothers who and sisters who are putting stuff out independently. But, you know, the biggest problem there, even if you're independent and you're doing stuff on your own laptop is, you know, distribution is, is uh, you know, publicity. You know, you can put out the best comic book ever written but if you don't have the money to expose people to it, to, you know, to, to publicize it, it just, you know, so these are the kind of difficulties having no capital presents to black creators. But uh, exactly, go ahead, man, go ahead, I've man. been there, done that, doing that. Oh, okay. I'm a, okay. I'm a black graphic designer by trade. Nice. And we're only 5%. Wow. That's black men and women. Wow. And when you come into this and when you come into that industry, just like you as being um, a teacher, you got to be 20 percent on game as far as technology, as far as knowing anything and everything. Yeah. And for me, being a black male graphic designer. Yeah. We are even less. So you got to be on top of your game because you're going into an industry that's ever changing. But you got to be on top of your shit. Right. Um, now, as far as you, I'm 40 years deep in um, dealing with comics, man. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 49 years old. So anybody comes up and starts talking comic book stuff, like I'm with you an artist and I'm like, okay, so, uh, T'Challa, King T'Challa is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's not just because he's a black hero. It's how the way he's created and how the way he carries himself. Mm-hmm. It's he's a perfect combination of intelligence, right. strength, fortitude, um, masculinity, mm-hmm. charm, benevolence. And one of the greatest things that he does, he puts his country before anything and everything. He knows what mm-hmm. he is destined for. He knows what he was groomed to be. Right. And being black men, especially in America, where. You always talk about we have agency. Black Panther was born into agency. Right, right. And seeing that and looking at comics and seeing that, mm-hmm. even with old Sal Buscema, um, John Byrne, even when mm-hmm. Jack Kirby and um, mm-hmm. Stan Lee were making, these were white men. Yeah. They made it shame that they gave him that level of respect. And even right. back then, he might have been a B-list character or C-list character. You know, Christopher Christopher Priest run, Hudlin run. They made him an A-list character where he was like, okay, this dude is a force to be reckoned with Mm -hmm. because he was a king. Mm -hmm. And the way Christopher Priest and Hudlin wrote him, yes, he's a king of a continent. I mean, he's a king of a country country. and a continent Mm. where when you were reading it, you had pride. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And nothing to take from Siri from the comics. It was cool. We know in comics, 
nothing's always going to be solid or concrete. We knew that T'Challa was coming back, mm-hmm. but since we had the death of Chadwick, you know, which is tragic among right. everything. Right. But now we're in this Me Too, we're in this very feminist high movement. And definitely when you have Disney, what they're doing, what they did with the um, Star Wars franchise, and they're trying to push that back together again. Yeah, right. But now for us, for like black men, it's like, we can't have crap, man. Yeah. We get something and mm-hmm. we're proud of as being black geeks or, or or just mm-hmm. black nerdy guys, and we like, oh God, we, we got a guy that's a great bounce. We got a guy that's mm-hmm. that has the skills, fighting skills of Captain America, but has the intellect of Tony mm-hmm. Stark. Right. But also has the billionaire suave of mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne, but also Wayne. Yeah. the suave, cool debonair of James Bond, all rolled up into one. But you know what else he had? He wasn't dysfunctional. Like if you look at yes. Bruce Wayne, you know, trauma that broke him as a child, you know, Superman lost his entire planet. These men are dealing with all of these issues. T'Challa was actually, uh, you know, he was a mirror image in certain respects of what we wanted to have. He was functional. He, you know, he didn't uh-huh. have, you know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't come out of this kind of trauma where he needed lifelong therapy, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And, and that was something really kind of unfathomable in itself. And you know what else he did, though? What's up? He let his wife go. Because he said, my country is more important than you (laughs) if you didn't want to be by my side. (laughs) When I did that, I was like, my man. He was like, okay, if you got to go and you want to go hang with the mutants, I got that. But um, all right, get the enrollment papers up. You go back over there to Xavier's. I'm going to stay here in Wakanda. Right. Right, and we ain't gonna talk about what the Dora Milaje used to do in the yeah. comics. But that was just crazy, man. I, you know what? That 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 hurt me. I have nothing against the um to the alphabet community, but when you start doing that, I'm like, all right, come on, really? Well, it, it, give it get. I want you. I want to get your final thoughts, but I also want you to shout out any work we can support. So if you got if you got any books out or anything we can look at or anything we can support, I want you to. I will put my um. I'll just put my uh, website in the uh, in the chat. Okay, but wait, say say what it is verbally though. Oh, it's um, create evolutionary concepts. That's just my graphic design website. Okay, right. Um, beautiful man. I, I, I see. I a lot of people don't know. Not only was I uh, am I a geek, but I was also an artist. Okay. So this is a this is a piece. Oh, that's what's that up, man. Did, you know. So I grew up and I not only read comics, I, I I was an artist. I wanted to be a comic book artist. You know what I mean? This is this is what I wanted to do. Um, you, you know, still do it on the side, man. Well, I ain't ugh, I don't have the time these days, but you know, this is, you. I'm, but I'm just saying th- these were the kind of things that I was into. So yeah, these in- these images and these ideas, these stories, uh, they resonate for people mm-hmm. like me who have been reading this for years. So any closing thought? We um. Talk? I think we I think we should have more platforms like this to rally against the the destruction of the negative images, even if they are fictional, because mm-hmm. that image is very, very prevalent to us because right. that movie, man, before um, Endgame came out, was their billion dollar top seller. Right. And it just wasn't because, you know, it was all this. 
it resonated with people because it showed us in a more positive in a more regal light yeah and despite whatever it was you felt the pain of killmonger he just wasn't your generic villain and i never never was drawn to killmonger in in, in the way i was in, at in this movie uh -huh. i mean he was he was written so well as far as a you know a three-dimensional kind of uh, idea about who this man was in the comics you know he's kind of the classic villain he's walking around in the ape suit but, but when you see him in this context they humanized him so well uh -huh. i supported him more than i did to chuck <laughs> but you know what the main thing was and it was this funny thing you know kill you felt for killmonger but killmonger was the type of dude that you know we, we couldn't bring him back from the brink because he's like look if we're gonna go out let's go out T'Challa's like, whoa, slow down, homie. <laughs> really? Did. We ain't got to go there, brother. Let's let's try to work this out. And, and you know, Killmonger's right. like, heck with that. If we going to go, we going to go. He's one of those right. brothers, you know, he was, he was UEP Newton ready to run up to the, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. to the steps and like take it to the Capitol. Yeah. Where, and you I, know. And, but, and I credit Coogler with a lot of that. Because when I watched Coogler do Fruitvale Station uh -huh. and then Creed, he was bringing in elements of black male life that were so subtle and nuanced that, you know, a lot of people didn't appreciate that. Uh, the first five minutes of Creed, I'm, I'm, I'm welling up in the eyes because we're in a juvenile facility and you're seeing nothing but black boys being locked away. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Those kind of subtle narratives. So by the time you get to Black Panther, all, you know, the men are really grappling with their fathers from Panther to to uh, Killmonger grappling with the absence of their father or uh, well yeah the absence of their fathers in different contexts right so T'Challa's father's killed uh, as an adult uh, Killmonger's father's killed when he's a kid but there's still this father-son dynamic and I understand they wanted to bring black women in and market to them in a different way but the way they went about it but you know uh, what that is brother was problematic there's two things that Ryan Krugler did with Creed and with Black Panther and that mm -hmm. is very 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 important to us especially as black men one is the hero's journey right and two is legacy okay the thing is no disrespect to bringing shiri in okay you're holding the black panther legacy but a black man holding a true legacy is way more strong because we're the men we're the we're the harbingers that hold that and i don't care if any black women have a problem with that but come on no he is the king mm. just like you got to go to what patrice o'neill said what wow. do you would you, what do you what do you call the woman that's to the king she's mm -hmm. the queen that's the mm -hmm. king's woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know all right you put a female there all right she's cool but she's not going to get that prominence as seen as the queen yeah. yeah yeah well i appreciate you coming in man nah thanks a lot brother thank you brother all right man peace peace all right so why do i make an issue out of this well um it's not limited to the black panther right there seems to be some consistent strains here um Oh, I see Quadwo in there. He said, uh, what folks don't know. Okay, let me get you up in here. Uh, interesting statement. Coogler's father works in a juvenile corrections facility. Right. Wow. That's good. See, I knew it, there, I knew there was some intentionality behind it, man. Because that, even though it was real quick at the beginning of uh, Creed, it, man, it was moving. Anyone that was paying attention. 
So shout out for, uh, to you for that information. But as you can see, man, this is not a, this is not a one-time thing, right? This notion of uh, you know uh, black women being you know the kind of face of heroism is consistent. We saw it on Time.com mag, you know, the magazine cover a few months ago. That's been the the guiding theme that, especially via BLM, you know, um, black women are the the face of sacrificial, uh, you know, kind of moral leadership and and whatnot. But again, it, to, it it's it most most of these films and these stories present similar ideas at the detriment of black males. In spite, you know. It, it, it's done in a manner that it doesn't need to be done uh, to demonstrate her strength or prowess. It has to be at the expense of men rather than just demonstrating her strength or power, right? Most particularly black men. So, you know, here, a series that I kind of stopped watching a while ago, 007 series, I was actually looking forward to Edris Elba uh, kind of stepping into that role, right? But nonetheless, but so, so it's the narratives that we're familiar with that play into this. Now, I titled the show based on what I called anti-black gentrification. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because you can actually see it on the screen and you can go through it um, at your leisure. But what I'm going to basically say is what I mean by anti-black gentrification is that when you have an outside group that can influence the cultural and material institutions of your community, right, on race and racial and gendered grounds, right, the biggest thing they can do across context is redefine uh, or define a hierarchy. So if we're going to talk about gentrification in its classic sense, right? You think of a neighborhood and you think of, a, a you know, another outside alien group coming in, buying up the property in the area, upscaling the price, right? Moving people out and bringing in a whole new class of clientele. You know, that's kind of a general traditional narrative for gentrification, right? We've seen this happen. You know, I've seen it happen in the Bay Area. I've seen black people pushed out of San Francisco uh, into Oakland and Richmond in Los Angeles. I've seen them pushed out to the Inland Empire in Washington, D.C., in New York. We've seen instances of gentrification designed to push black folk out of where they are. But when you talk about gentrification more in terms of not just the physical, not just the environmental, but also in terms of certain cultural and media-based institutions and practices, right? So here you have, uh, in terms of media entertainment, what we've been talking about, right? The gentrification of the black male image, whether it has to do with their absence in something like 007 or in, you know, or the, 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 the actual kind of um, downplay taking place uh or that's more than likely going to take place in black panther in the film you know because it had its variations in the comics these ideas are not arbitrary they're not just about storytelling they are about transferring very particular ideas into the populace's imagination particular ideas that range around female superiority right black male underdevelopment and dismissal they are very consistent tropes Right. This is why even something as subtle as, yeah, OK, you can have T'Challa, but he's not going to be brilliant. Right. Even subtle things like that. There's a long legacy of black males being, you know, framed even in, in the academy, especially in the academy as being less intelligent. Right. So to have a character that is precisely the opposite of that, have that removed in and of itself. There's some statements there. There's some tropes there. So in terms of media entertainment, you know, what I call uh, this anti-black gentrification has to do with having an outside group come 
and influence the media entertainment of your own community to control its distribution, to control who gets to, not necessarily who produces ideas, but whose ideas get to be put on a national stage, right? Um, when you think about hip hop, one of the things I've heard people arguing about over and over again is, is the quality of hip hop and the ideas, the misogynist ideas spread through hip hop. But again, nobody wants to talk about the fact that really you had a plethora of different uh, forms of expression in hip hop, right? And then by the time you get to the mid to late 80s, when record companies start to seriously pay attention to hip hop and begin to develop their own companies in the context of hip hop, they began to shift the framework of what constituted hip hop by picking, hand picking which artists got to be signed, which artists got major distribution, right? These kind of things are part of what I'm talking about. So in media, whether you're talking about film or you're talking about music or television, you have this, you know, industry that comes in and begins to shape, right? Begins to shape based on a value system alien to us. See, this is why I brought up Esther Roll earlier, earlier tonight, right? I was shouting her out because uh, by the time you get good times, that was not something produced out of the black community, right? But she made a stand, a principled stand very early on, which could have been a career ending thing for her. She might not have been able, if she, if she made that stand and they didn't like it, they could have replaced her, but she made a stand requiring a certain type of black male presence. I question how much of that would still happen today, but I shout her out for that, right? But again, even then we were looking at industries that were coming in and shaping our media uh, kind of presence. Uh, gender rights, there's the same kind of thing that happens. You know, so I talk about these things in terms of gentrification, but I look at the pandemic that's caused by them. Because we talk about pandemic, of course, and the way we're experiencing it, but there are a lot of different ways a pandemic can be, can be present. The absence of strong, intelligent black male uh, archetypes in media, the absence to me is a pandemic in regard to you know the, the absence of that presence, right? When you talk about gender rights, technically speaking, the laws around that, particularly around Title IX, are written in a gender neutral language much of the time. But when you really look at, you know, what types of rights are specifically there for men and in particular black men to be able to be protected by, right? I would argue that you have a pandemic level absence in that sense. So when I hear from men who've been falsely accused of crimes they didn't commit and fired from jobs or having their reputation sullied with no evidence, with no due process of any sort, yeah, that's a pandemic level absence of rights in regard to, you know, men and black men in particular being aptly represented by rights that are supposed to be, you know, germane to citizens, but particularly in this sense on, on grounds of gender. We talk about reproduction, right? We talk about reproduction. We talk about birth control. How many options do men have? Is there an absence of options? Are men still left with options they've had since the 50s? Right? So you get stories like the one I sold, I told you earlier, where even you have this gentleman who's trying to help a lesbian couple now put on the hook for child support, despite the agreement they had in place. Or what about somebody who had his first one night stand at 16, condom breaks, gets someone pregnant, his entire future is now in her hands. And now we've said, oh, that's normal. That is what it what it is. Well, it wasn't always like that, but... We've accepted that as a normal trope now. 
but are there or could there have been alternatives that provided to men that allowed them as many birth control options as women or is just a piece of plastic enough for men or a piece of rubber that's just enough for men we need to settle we need to be settled with that we need to we need to accept that and just go sit in the corner and shut up meanwhile she's got thir over 30 different forms of birth control in five major forms not including abortion nobody cares right so is there a pandemic level absence of biological rights for men black men in particular i would argue there is law enforcement is there a pandemic level of absence of justice particularly for black men do i really even need to go into that area how many times have we been talking about black death just today alone and how many policies how many how much policy has been produced to prevent it we talk about groups like black lives matter because they're supposed to have impacted it well okay yet all of the currency that went with all the attention drawn to black male death went to everybody but black males um you know when you so in, in each of these areas when you talk about the impact of drugs on communities uh, especially if you were around in the 80s and 90s, you saw what drugs did. You saw what crack did to black communities. It was like an atom bomb. I grew up in the Bay. I used to go to Oakland. My family was up there. Oakland was California's chocolate city in the 70s. I remember when crack hit. Oakland looked like somebody dropped an atom bomb on it. Right? But nobody wanted to talk about or seriously take, uh, you know, especially when you talk about black men, the impact of not having you know jobs and the influx of these drugs and then of course the massive increase in incarceration this cycle for black men who are still socially expected to protect and provide in the midst of being given no opportunities right it, so the impact was multi-leveled and so in terms of representation and support for black men in particular i saw very little in that era and it still haunts the black community to this day you have men with prison records that are still having trouble who can't even vote while we're blamed for the potential with the almost loss you know the potential loss of biden we were already blamed right entrepreneurship and employment you know one of the things we talk about is double minority status for black women right hired because they're both women and black meanwhile 40 to 50 percent of black men unemployed in 30 major cities nobody cares right no business support offered during covid Right? None of those things made available, small business support or otherwise, for black male businesses. Nobody cares. So what does that do? I've been talking about this for months. It is a form of gentrification. There is a new class being materially incentivized and supported from within the black community. It doesn't include black men. It doesn't include black men. Right? Education, same thing. Especially if you have a prison record. You're not getting Pell Grants. You're not getting loans. Who gets to go to school, especially after the drug narrative I just gave you from the 70s through the 2000s? How does that impact education? How does that impact, uh, you know, middle class participation? And yet against that, you still have black men, a percentage of them that are doing fairly well against the odds, a significant percentage. Right. Unless, of course, you, you, you account for incarceration and then black men become the only group who earn less than their women. Right? A lot of that having to do with that. And then lastly, in terms of family. Right? Massive homelessness on the part of black men. 
right? Black America constitutes half of America's homeless before COVID. And the overwhelming majority of the black homeless have been men, especially due to post-incarceration. Meanwhile, on the other side of the spectrum, you have women going back to post-World War II who've been able to get support from the state, putting them in a position over generations to be head of household at an 80% clip. A massive pandemic level of absence black men in the family. All of these things I'm simply saying are forms of control and gentrification extended by another community and controlled in many ways by another one because it's still based on wealth and resources that we don't have. So this whole discussion about the Black Panther is really just the tail, the tip of the iceberg of something much deeper and much bigger. And it has to do with the, the impact of these institutions in our community being controlled by those with wealth outside of it and us having to scramble outside of it. I was watching, I stayed up late last night. I usually stay up late. And uh, the Honeymooners came on with Cedric the Entertainer and and uh, what's the brother, Mike Epps. And I'm watching this movie and the whole time, it's really about these two black men trying to... I see you engaged, hold on, I'll be there. Um, these two black men trying to find whatever means they can to make it work, right? To find some modicum of success. These two married black men, of course, it's a take on the old Honeymooners show, um, but it's done with, uh, you know, a black cast, you know, Gabrielle Union. And, and it's, it's an older film. It's not, it's been around for a while, but I had never actually watched it. I never really, you know, but I sat there and watched it and I watched these men hustling and doing everything they can. And they reminded me of so many brothers I'd seen hustling from day to day trying to figure out a way to, to, to break to break through. It was definitely a reflection of ADOS FBA life. You know, from putting a piece of cardboard down and dancing for change to, you know, trying to hustle through and make money. What is what we used to say? Make a dollar out of 15 cents. That's a reality for most of us, mainly because an absence of capital. So I'm, I, I'm pointing out in these various areas, the reason we have such difficulty is because these things, these institutions are financed and controlled by outside. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know in that context. All I'm simply saying is this, it, beyond the fact that we know that this is happening, I wanna highlight how much that control influences what gets presented. So when there's a new agenda on the table, we're subject to it. And right now the agenda is to create a new class Within, from within the black community. And it is primarily led by black women, mainly because it is financed and incentivized, whether by private or federal resources outside of the community. They've been cherry picked in a particular way that black men haven't. And that's really what we're talking about. I don't really care if, if, if you have a comic book character that like Shuri that gets to be Black Panther. That's not my point of emphasis. That's just the tip of the iceberg. What the real issue is, is how those representations shape our ideas about Black men. And based on the way I've seen it presented so far, it's designed for us to see Black men as less than. Because she was, she, she was the point of emphasis beyond the Panther in the first movie anyway. She kind of stole the movie with her brilliance, a brilliance that we normally saw in the comics from T'Challa. 
But what is the idea that undergirds it? The idea that undergirds it is that black men are lesser beings, even within their own communities. Um, let me see. Let me get it. Mr. Engage, what's up? Hey, what's up, OG? I want to say, um, I just been doing great, man. I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm really vibing what you're saying. I, I want to say thank you for getting on the mic and spit some real knowledge to the people out there. But the first thing I wanted to get into was like every time I see that a black man reaches new heights, I always see the black woman come up behind him, and it, it seems like she's on the quest for the same power trip as we are. And I find that very, very misleading. And I see this in the world of civics and everywhere else where they mm. control. These women get, are in position where they're controlling our fate indirectly. And then when we talk about our situations, and they make light of it. Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a white man. Mm. And it's just it's crazy to me. Um, and, and, mm, sorry about go that. No, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish up because I'm about to close out in a minute. So I want you, I want you to get. Okay, the last but you also, okay, also you also see this within the voting record within women with this whole Kamala Harris situation, and you mm. see this movie popping out. It's just, it's just the time is just all bad. It just mm. looks bad. It just puts, um, it just puts um, black women in a space where I feel like they should not be in because I don't think that they cannot hold the accountability of a man. And that's going to okay. be very controversial to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But that's just the reality because they don't have the physicality and certain other things that come on with that. The same way mm -hmm. we don't come into their spaces as well. And, I and again, I wish that black men, when they had that Prince video, that Prince that Prince and the Frog thing, that they oh. ditched it up and said, said something about that. And said, hey, it should have been a black man then. I mm -hmm. really think that we should have voiced our concerns and just stomped it out because i think that okay. it, it, it would um change other situations like that in the future no and that's so a, it's something that we should be mindful and that's a good point but i just want to be clear i was saying black men didn't they didn't argue that the prince and the princess and the frog the princess should have been a prince you know what i'm saying they weren't black men weren't saying this whole film should be you know with a black male character but i agree with you that black men, you know, should have made a statement about the prince. And, I, and there were brothers that did, just to be clear, there were. Um, but, you know, a lot of people didn't seem to have a problem with the fact that there was no black male prince. Uh, but I was just saying, in that sense, black men didn't demand that the movie actually be centered around them. And yet, when it comes to Black Panther, nobody's concerned about that. But anyway, go ahead and get your last statement in, brother, before we have to move on. Yeah, it just it was really just hurt uh, hurts me as a man just seeing that seeing that like my nephew I went out and saw this film with my nephew, mm -hmm. so seeing it take this creative direction I think that it does a disadvantage to the black community, it does a disadvantage um, on how it presents black brilliance, and I think that they're um, they're going to be missing out on their opportunity when these other black films come out and they support the black experience a little bit more better. All they're going right. to miss out on the opportunity and they're going to miss out on the bucks. I'm just going to leave it on that, man. You have right, a blessed day, bro. Thanks. All right, man. All right. Appreciate that. And thank you guys for calling in. Um, Y'all know, uh, as I said before, for my YouTube and uh, Patreon members, don't forget we're going to do office hours and after show right after this. Give me about five minutes to set it up. Um, if you become a recent member, like I said, go to my channel on YouTube, look at the community tab and the link there will take you directly to the after show. 
um and depending on you know your level of membership you can get on this uh stream yard with me and we can actually dialogue about tonight uh so we can do that and y'all know how i like to close it out and i should say real quick before i do i got on my my shirt this is the shirt you guys were asking me for Let's see if i can have my camera set up a little too high but you know i'm wearing the actual shirt that actually has on it everything I'm about to read. So uh, for those of you that were asking me to uh, get the shirt made um, so you could actually wear it, it is made. You can go to the Institute for Black Male Studies website and pick it up. Um, and it's made in every conceivable color possible. Uh, but anyway, as you all know, I'm here to tell you brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, brainless henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, re attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.